I came here, you know, I wanted you to make me laugh, not like make me feel bad. <laughs> like I'm being too much of a Debbie Downer. Sometimes you want to hear jokes that have a yeah. point, just to, but I guess I just like live vulnerably. Yeah. Every time you put something out into the world, you know, you're, you open yourself up to criticism. Comedians Exposed, a podcast where comedians talk about vulnerability with your host, Deanna Kobe. for tuning in to another episode of Comedians Exposed. I'm your host, Deanna Kobe, and this is the podcast where I get to interview comedians and ask them all kinds of terrible questions about what comedy is like for them and if it leaves them feeling vulnerable like it leaves me feeling vulnerable. Today's guest is hilarious, very musically talented. This person is also an improviser. You can check out their sketches on YouTube. Please welcome to Comedians Exposed, Melissa Sarach. Melissa, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about these terrible questions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I've realized, because I've been doing this, guess what? You were the one-year anniversary episode. Ooh. Yes. This is super exciting. Well, I, I feel honored. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you. Um especially too, like from knowing you and stuff. And I feel like you'll engage in this process because I feel like some people I meet will say, oh, I want to be on the podcast. And then I talk with them and it's like, not, they're like, no, uh, jokes, jokes, going for the jokes all the time, which is fine. I've got no jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you have so many jokes, but we also want to hear about the other side. Like, that's what I want to hear about is like, what happens when you're not making the jokes or when you're thinking about the jokes or you're making jokes, you know, about things that are like really crazy. Like one thing I wanted to dive right into is your sketch that you did uh, during quarantine. Um, (laughs) So it deals with suicide, which I find to be personally hilarious. I love it. It was uh, the suicide hotline, Mm -hmm. you know, and the premise was basically like, you know, the giving suggestions like I'm broke. How do I kill myself? And it was really funny. But how did you receive that? I'm just curious because I know on stage whenever I try jokes about suicide, um, because I've been doing a lot lately now that we're out of quarantine. Yeah, like, well, people get uncomfortable. So how did you feel about releasing that sketch or making that sketch? Um, I mean, I do uh, self-deprecating, like depressed, like suicide jokes a lot on stage. Um, sometimes I get the feedback that, uh, I am a little too self-deprecating and, um, I'm like, but you know, I hate myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but for that sketch, I didn't really get any feedback. It was released in the middle of the pandemic and it's on Judy's YouTube. Uh, I wrote it with Judy and we were, you know, she was in Brooklyn. I'm in, I was in Jersey city. We couldn't go anywhere because, you know, social distancing and we didn't want to like, you know, get on the train. Um, and, uh, so I don't know if she got any, uh, comments like sent to her, but, um, she, I should ask her. <laughs> I didn't ask her people. when I, you know, talked with her, I should have asked her too. So we'll definitely have to circle back. Cause like I said, <laughs> like, Judy, like, did you get any death threats over that suicide? <laughs> well, like, it's funny. Cause like I said, it's like, I saw, I remember when you guys did it, I thought it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it was like, we were in such like 
You know what I mean? Like to me, I'm like, that stuff makes me laugh. Like when things are really fucked up, I want to watch stuff that's fucked up. You know, right. we were, things were cuckoo last year and stuff like that. But it was like I said, I since we've been back from quarantine or whatever, I've been trying stuff on suicide. And I notice it's like the audience is like, yeah. it's so and it's like, can you hear the fucking joke? Like, don't get just caught up on this stupid little word, you know? Right. So do you do, because you said, um, too, you just mentioned, because you said you do a lot of self-deprecating stuff mm-hmm. and you've gotten um, feedback that you do it sometimes too much. Yes. Why do you think that people think that it's, it's weird? Like, again, because you think back certain comics, there's like a certain style, you know, mm-hmm. like I talk about, like, um, if you think Phyllis Diller. Mm-hmm. you know, or how that was like, again, that was, I feel like that's very much a clear vein in comedy history. So mm-hmm. where do you I, think the pushback's coming from with that? I, don't know. I feel like maybe people are like, I came here, you know, I want you to make me laugh, not like make me feel bad. <laughs> like I'm being too much of a Debbie Downer, you know, but Debbie Downer is hilarious. Especially, too, like, you think about the juxtaposition of, like, seeing a whole, especially if you're in a comedy show and you're seeing multiple people, or, again, just, like, I don't know, I like Debbie Downer, too, like, thinking about that whole persona of just kind of, like, things are fucked up, Mm -hmm. and let me just hear it, how it's fucked up, and, like, the serious shit, too, like, I don't, you don't always want to hear dick jokes, it's like, you want to hear jokes about things that are dark. Sometimes you want to hear jokes that have a point, you know? Yeah. What do you think um, you, some of your, like, what are the things you try to make points about? Um, I make points about, like, sexism and um, mortality and, um, I guess, like, the human condition. Whenever, um, whenever I have, like, a dry spell, um. I like somehow always get like a rash that I could talk about on stage (laughs) and it it, uh, inspires me. And all of a sudden I've got all these rash jokes, (laughs) which are self-deprecating, but um, yeah. So uh, just, um, yeah, I guess like a equality as well. Um, But I also like, to do jokes about like how shitty my dad is, you know? So how much of the, your material would you say is like rooted in your truth or yourself or your, you know, like basically I'm trying to figure out is how much of you are you willing to share with the audience? Um, I mean, a lot of it, uh, I mean, it, it's all rooted in the truth, but I'll just like A to Z it instead of like, you know, to see like you know this makes me think of this which makes me think of that and then just take it really far out so it sounds crazy but you know it does have it came from a a kernel of truth yeah so you like to just kind of like because I really like again I try to get to the crux of it like I feel like some people literally just again like thinking about their stand-up they approach it solely from the perspective of like I'm going to write a joke about you know laptop computers versus Mm-hmm. You know, like other people who approach it, like I'm going to write about what's going on in my life. Right. And then build from there, you know? Yeah. So it sounds like you're more in like that vein. Yeah. It's more yeah. internal. Huh? It's more internal. And then, um, 
you know, I expand outward. So how'd you get into doing comedy? Um, I wanted to do comedy since I was in high school. Actually, Judy and I were going to uh, try to do a public access show when we were in high school. And we put together a show at Maxwell's back when it was cool, you know, in the 90s um, to try to be a fundraiser so that we could put the show together. I think the show was called like Queen Jay and Lissily or something stupid. And um, we did not make any money from from the Maxwell show. I think that Judy got in trouble. Oh, no. Um, And then the guy who was like the booker or and ran the soundstage asked me out. And I was like, I'm 15. (laughs) And he was like, this was not a good. He's like, you know, this was you, you, you like, you know, you didn't make any money. You know, that's the way it goes. You're not a. He was like negging me. So he was like, you know, this isn't like, you know, you're not cut out for this, all this stuff. Uh, do you want to hang out sometime? <sighs> oh, my God. How old was he? Um, he must have been in his 20s. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Security. Lord. That's so fucking insane, especially like thinking how ballsy you and Judy were at like teenagers. Yeah. Doing that fucking shit going into Maxwell's like making shows and shit doing everything and oh my god it makes me so mad hearing that story because like that guy literally was just trying to like take your power and shit like how much power you guys had that's fucking so cool and how did you respond to that afterward like did that just kind of like drive you more um no I was I was depressed for a little bit (laughs) um then uh yeah and then uh, I um but I mean I always wanted to write like I would write sketches and stuff and then when I um was in when I went to university I became the editor-in-chief of the school's humor magazine and I was like um that's it like I'm totally gonna like write for SNL after college <laughs> you know I thought that was uh, an attainable goal <laughs> but um uh, it wasn't is, that was what you initially, though, when you started comedy, you were like yeah. sketch writing and you wanted sketch to be a sketch writing writer? And humor writing, like writing essays, like humorous essays. So then what and made I, you... And putting together sketch shows. What made you then make the leap? Because to me, I feel like sketch, you know, is it's such a... It's, of course, comedy, but it's also a different skill set. Like I've yeah. worked with other people to write sketch and it's, you know, again, it's like this much more fluid thing versus stand-up it's like you're by yourself um in stand-up so what brought you to doing stand-up from sketch so I started producing shows in Jersey City and I had to like host it and you know I tried had to try to come up with jokes so that's how I started doing stand-up and then I didn't really get like uh and I was in sketch groups at like the pit but um I didn't really get into stand-up until like a couple of years ago like when I met you And, um, then I started, uh, relearning how to play guitar and now I do musical comedy too. So gentrification, gentrification. (laughs) (laughs) Gentrification sandwich. Yeah. I love sandwiches too. So it's (laughs) like something I loathe and something I love. So conflicting. Mm -hmm. So I just sing the gentrification part because then if I sing the sandwich part, my heart makes you you like it. that you got. I remember. Right, it was a bad, expensive sandwich. That's 
the one and now that place uh, doesn't exist anymore because it made expensive sandwiches that were not worth it. Hey, people listening, there is a business <laughs> model lesson right here. Don't make shitty sandwiches that are too costly. Right. You will right. lose the business. So <laughs> you crossed over. So what do you like better than sketch or stand up? Um, I like uh, sketch. You have to organize, you know, you need to like schedule meetings. You need to rehearse. You need to, um, uh, get people, you, you need to like get people together and organize them. And as you know, a lot of comedians are not <laughs> very willing to, uh, you know, to like get everyone together in the same room at the same time. You can't even get them to stay in the room for a mic. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh-uh. So stand up is definitely easier to work on. Cause yeah, you don't need all of that. What do you feel more vulnerable doing stand up or sketch stand up? Yeah. Cause with sketch you're with a team, you know, it's written. You've already tested it out a bunch of times before you perform it. Um, with stand up, it's like, you know, you're just like up there by yourself <laughs> in the void, <laughs> just shouting into the void. Oh, yes. yes. Hoping, hoping that, that you'll be accepted. Uh, well, first off, I want to ask, what does it mean for you to be vulnerable? What does that word mean to you? Um uh sharing things that would otherwise be i would keep to myself as a secret you know um so doing stand-up is vulnerable to me because i am scared like all the time so i started doing improv um to like get over uh stage fright and i um started doing burlesque too to get to be more comfortable on stage and in my skin, because otherwise I'm just like really stiff and awkward. Um, and I don't know how to use it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just a, but I guess I just like live vulnerably all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of like. It's, well, you're, I'm just like, what I, because my day job is a beer rep. So I'm always open for attacks. When you're on stage by yourself telling jokes, you're always open for attacks. Mm-hmm. When you, as a writer, because I'm a freelance writer too, I'm always open for attacks. When every time you put something out into the world, you know you're you open yourself up to criticism, and you just People have to are quick to criticize, right? Yeah. yeah, and you just have to you know accept that and just let it not let it get to you. What do you do? How do you not let it get to you? Is there any particular like coping mechanism or thing that you'll do or tell yourself? Um, if I, I'm like, fuck this guy, who does he think he is, you know, and then I'll like make fun of him, yeah. head. but then you, you know, move on and you don't yeah. like think about it too much. You move on to the next thing. Always. I always try to have a goal or a plan Yeah, to keep myself busy and to keep moving forward. Right. And usually too, a lot of times when people are reacting to you, it's not about you even. It's something that's triggered right. in them. Like, oh yeah. You know, like one thing Paula was on the show and we talked about Carl Jung's shadow work 
Mm-hmm. And how like you're supposed to like lean into the things that you're triggered. So it's like, oh, I always like like that. Like when somebody comes across and they don't like something I've done or said, it's like, well, I've triggered you. What about, you know, and I love to like right. think about that. Find you know? out what that emotional response was. Yeah. And I feel like comedy is so good for tapping into people's emotional responses. Well, you need to because people aren't going to be invested if you don't trigger their emotions. Yeah. Which emotions do you like to trigger while you're on stage from the audience? Well, first I want, I'd like to, I'd like them to be sympathetic to me so that they'll listen to me. (laughs) So, um, you know, try to get them to warm up to me, but, uh, yeah, you try to, um, you want to keep like attention, you know, cause laughter is breaking the tension. So you're going to try to like create some suspense or something or um, uh, like have them on the edge of their, their seat, like waiting for the the punchline or the whatever is going to happen or, you know, I don't, I, I mean, also like making people uncomfortable a little bit, but like, as long as they laugh at the end to break the tension. Yeah. What are some things that you'll talk about that make um, the audience uncomfortable? Well, I love talking about my period. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't do that that much. Um, (laughs) Although I do have to sing that song. um, All I want to do is make blood to you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh -uh. (laughs) Um, But just to like, uh, yeah, use the uncomfortable, like the feeling of discomfort to point out facts like about like, you know, sexism. Yeah. Is is a big one that I use. And also gentrification. Yeah. Are you a part of the problem? <laughs> I'm not yeah. <laughs> I am I am part of the problem. I didn't mean you. No, it's okay. I know. <laughs> I have to accept the truth about who I am, but I'm trying to do better. what do you think the audience then like when you uh talk about that kind of stuff like particularly I feel like um I would think that feminist issues would Mm -hmm. be more of a trigger for people than gentrification right you know I don't like oh how dare you we love gentrifiers you know like I don't think you're gonna get like people being as upset that you're making fun of gentrification compared to so one of the things I like to do if I, like if I'm on a show and it's all men and it's like usually that way, <laughs> I'll be like, well, I'm the only woman here. So it's just pussy jokes for, for me. I got to, you know, fill up my time just to, you know, uh, just, uh, just to uh, fill up the time with pussy jo- jokes just to make up for the fact that I'm the only woman here, you know, and that makes people uncomfortable, but also makes them realize, Hey, that's a really lopsided, uh, you know, uh, lineup. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Like, I feel like, especially too, it's like 2021, you know, I've been very cognizant of just looking at flyers that are being posted for shows, particularly after the pandemic, thinking like, okay, we all had a year in the house to kind of like come to grips with things. And it's like, wow, man, it's still like so lopsided. Like you said, why, why do you think that is? Oh, maybe they all live together. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Yeah, that might be. It seems like that's what people do. They have these little <laughs> groups, these pods. 
Yeah. They're, they're comedy pods and they just travel around together and do portable shows. Right. Yeah. Smart. That good, that's smart. Yes. Okay. Yeah. They're like a pack. <laughs> so maybe it's our fault that we're not in a pack. What it, we, so we, we have not we, passed the test. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like, is there any animals in nature where like men are in packs and the women? I know like meerkats kick the single female meerkats out of the mob. Hmm. I'm trying to think of like other, there's, I'm going to Google this later, but we'll get back to that. Let's get talking more about weird stuff in comedy. Um, And then when you bring that up and you point to the audience's attention, like, Hey guys, hello. Um, I'm like the only lady here and people get on board. Do you kind of like dig into it more and like um, use it to kind of like touch on other areas of gender issues? Um, Sometimes it depends on like, you know, what was in the news that day or like if something happened to me that day. But sometimes I just want to talk about something else. You know, <laughs> sometimes I just I don't you know, I don't want to talk about gender issues all the time. <laughs> only when like I want to point point out a disparity you know yeah so what do you do to prepare for your shows how do you get ready for what you know you're going to talk about um I use well I like make a a list to organize like a kind of like a set list to organize my thoughts Mm -hmm. and um and uh do some stretches (laughs) um I try to if it's like a big show like a good show then like you know I'll try to run it through in the mirror yeah that um that I look okay when I'm you know that I'm like me that I'm doing funny things with my face and hands yeah hopefully I'll remember to do them (laughs) when I do you find that happens a lot like you'll run through your set beforehand or like prepare your set beforehand then you get up there and it's like shoot yeah. You know, how much, what percentage would you say, like, of your set is actually what you had planned out while you're up there? Uh, it's usually pretty planned. Um, yeah. Sometimes I'll try to, uh, I'll feel like the audience, but depending on the, how the audience is reacting, I'll take another, uh, you know, take another joke out my back pocket that wasn't planning on doing. Um if something comes up in the show, if someone says something, you know, then I'll do different jokes. Yeah. What about the audience? Do you look at them or do you look somewhere else? Um, I look at them, but I think that maybe I should look, <laughs> look somewhere else. <laughs> um, like, I'm just thinking of, like, all these, like, bad bar shows where, like, no one wants to be there. <laughs> and, like, and, like, you see, you look at their faces and you're just like, oh, man, I'm, I'm sorry I'm torturing you. I know this, like, isn't consensual. <laughs> <laughs> it burns a hole in your brain. Like, I yeah. can think about, like, yeah, every person's face of, with their look of horror. I can't remember the joy of anyone, but I can remember the faces of horror. Yeah. Like, oh, God. Yeah. And also boredom and indifference. I could, the boredom and the indifference, like, 
Well, especially too, that can be equally infuriating. I find, especially if you're pouring, like you're, like you said, talking about something that's like more personal or more emotional. It's like motherfucker, like, yeah, she just like feels something for me. Yeah. (laughs) Are you alive? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Um, Then again, who knows what's going on with people, you know, like I've just tried to change my perspective. I feel like, especially too, after this quarantine and realizing people are really just not something I'm going to ever understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just yeah. like, okay, I'm going to respect you on your journey, wherever you're at, you know, and try not to like take it with me. Does it shake you? Um, if you're on stage and you catch somebody looking at you like indifferent or disgusted or any kind of reaction, does that shake you to, um, off your set? No, I'll just keep moving on. I'll just move on. Yeah. Keep on going. So do you feel like your stage fright has improved then since? Um, yeah. Like when I get into it, when I, you know, when I'm excited about telling a joke, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. When I'm really excited and I want to, like, I want to share something. Um, it's not like, when I get in that that uh, mind frame of just like wanting to share something um, rather than wanting to prove myself. Yeah. That, that's how I overcome it. Oh, okay. <laughs> what about comedy for you? Like, what do you think good comedy is? Um, I think think that you mean just uh stand-up wise or or you could do um no I mean anything I guess because a lot of times like whatever you find funny is like will translate I'm sure to your stand-up right yeah um I like um you know stories I like uh, to be like emotionally triggered or involved I think that's important in comedy I think that turns of phrase and wording is also important. Um, it shows that you've thought about your material and you're, if you're writing characters, um, it shows that you, you're paying attention. Um, I think that the element of surprise is also important because people laugh. Like the reason people laugh is because uh, they were fake like this is from like back in caveman days it's because like you know they were you laugh when you're relieved like you're facing a threat and that creates a tension and then you find out that there wasn't really um a threat to you and you laugh as relief Mm -hmm. so um creating that tension is also important in good comedy Mm -hmm. is there anybody that you try to model your comedy after your stand-up Oh, my stands up. Mm-hmm. I can't think of. I can't think of any any standups that I try to model. What about any standups comedy? Like, because I know that's a very particular question. Like, mm-hmm. you know, to model your standup. Because again, um, what about in terms of comedians that you enjoy? Like, not that you've modeled your comedy after them, it's just personally right. you so enjoy I like them. to do stuff that I would think was funny, especially what I as, like, what I thought was funny when I was, like, in my 
twenties. So like I thought Kristen Shaw was really funny and like the whole like alternative comedy scene back then. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I like that stuff. So I try to, you know, that, that really affected my style. How would you describe your style in like three words? Um, I would say sad. <laughs> um, self, well, self-deprecating is two words. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll self-deprecate is two words. And what about number three? Um, uh, I guess absurd. Although that that means that's really broad, but. Is it though absurd, right? I think absurd is like kind of a niche. Okay. Yeah, I think absurd is, uh, I mean, I guess there's types of absurdist, but I feel like absurd is in its own lane on its own. Mm -hmm. So what about then in vulnerability? Are you someone that embraces feeling vulnerable? Um, I just kind of, I feel like I'm vulnerable all the time. So it's not yeah. like I can escape it. <laughs> so that's just how you've been yeah um yeah like uh in both uh yeah I just in my day job and in my hobbies or and in comedy it's like I'm always leaving myself open to uh to threats <laughs> so I'm just kind of always vulnerable yeah do you feel that's where your comedy kind of evolved? Your sense of humor developed like from having this feeling of vulnerability and you okay. used it as like, because like you talked about even with the cavemen about having like, we're okay now. So it's right, like, because right. you grew up in Jersey City, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think, um, especially like myself, like as an adult now, you know, um, I always get really pissed off when you hear people talk about comparing educational systems because it's like, you can't, like you can't compare someone growing up in Jersey city to somebody growing up in like, you know, Ridgewood, you know what I mean? Like no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, it's like, there's different experiences. And it's like, I think about for me, like if I grew up in Jersey city as a kid, I, you know, my level anxiety, like I'm an anxious person anyway. So like thinking about like, yeah, being anxious, yeah, yeah. Um, so do you think that helped shape your comedy at all? Yeah. How so? Yeah, I mean, I would, being anxious definitely uh, shapes my comedy because, like, uh, let me try to think of an example. It's like, I'm always under the presumption that someone will attack me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so that has, uh, and, and then like telling stories about that stuff while I'm on stage, like about how I wasn't mugged in Jersey City until after it was gentrified, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah. And, um, but like, you know, how people, you know, made fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
Do you think though growing up in a city kind of influences people to have um, a better sense of humor? Yes. Um, I think that uh, like my family has a good sense of humor. Um, I think uh, even my grandma who can barely speak English has a good sense of humor. And it's like, you make jokes because you are living in anxiety. So it's a release. Yeah. (laughs) So what's the worst thing you'll joke about on stage? I don't know. There's the worst thing. I don't know. I mean, I do. Okay, maybe I should separate that question too, because I feel like there's things like that's such a tough word, like the worst thing. What about the, the question I want to ask is what if, what is the thing you would joke about that the audience tends to get really turned off by, but you like to joke about? No, so and suicide. It, okay. Okay. <laughs> so that's the one you're going to, th- you know, definitely yeah, put that out there and their buttholes start to clench up. Yeah, and I could also do some, you know, lighthearted rape jokes. <laughs> uh, and those also, yeah, that I feel like it's the hard R word that makes people uncomfortable. I've noticed if you like sing it like rapey, you know, it's like a little more palatable, you know, or make it a fun character like rapey McRaperson, you know. People, right, right. Yeah. It's so weird how they'll like play on words how certain words will trigger people so much to they will shut down entirely. Yeah. And it's like, and I find myself obsessed with living in that space of wanting to do those jokes of just like, "Ah, I want to make this funny because it happens and things are all fucked up anyway. So let's just joke about the weird fucked up shit. But what about you? Where do you gravitate? Like in terms of the spectrum of being uh i'm gonna stay in the lane of comfortability or i'm gonna go balls to the wall crazy like where would you feel you fall well i mean it also depends on the audience you know yeah I mean, if there's like kids there then i'm not gonna do my whole set on rape and suicide <laughs> would it pussy no <laughs> yeah no, okay so depending on the audience mm-hmm. But what about overall, like, would you describe yourself like as more someone that's going to be more edgy? Yeah, I'd say that I'm edgy. Yeah. In a sad way. (laughs) In an adorably sad way. It's like, oh, man, (laughs) the mortician that I want to have is you. So cute. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, how do you do you think is your um. Do you ever consider your aesthetic to help convey your, what you want your persona to be? Yes. But every time I try to do that, it doesn't work. (laughs) So So what do you try to do? Okay. So like, I wanted to start using a stage name of Melissa Anchovy. And I like, I got, like, I made a shirt and everything and like, like no one cared or (laughs) remembered my stage name. Um, but like when I have my guitar, I mean, I would like to ideally, once I get booked for big shows again, um, 
like I would like to put on like a real performance. Like I want to get like a suit that matches my guitar, you know, like a baby blue the suit. Blue one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just got a tattoo of uh, my guitar. So I want to do like a joke where the reveal is <laughs> my, my tiny guitar tattoo. <laughs> well, it's actually a big tattoo, but you know, just like, uh, yeah, just use the, use it as the, the tableau for the scene because you know I come from sketch so you want the stage picture to look good yeah so do you do you think about that then has there been skills from sketch that have helped you in your like doing your stand-up act um oh so uh yeah so I think you saw me do that uh you do the prop comedy where I do that magic trick so um (laughs) Where uh, I talk about how um, uh, I gained so much weight, I can barely fit into my pants. It's just like all this camel toe, and um, then uh, I feel like I'm giving away the joke, the punchline though. Anyway, so then I I do a magic trick on stage, and that comes from sketch. Yeah. Okay. So, but then like thinking about like any other, because um, you said with the shot, like you said in sketch you're always like framing the shot was the terminology uh, yeah the think about the stage picture the stage picture so this how did that how would that play out in for you in stand-up comedy like you think yeah it's kind of hard it's like you don't like have furniture or props really yeah. on stage so you're not like you know because in sketch like the props are jokes you know like if i i'm not gonna i mean i guess i could like do a set where I'm I'm like sitting down reading like a porn magazine. (laughs) I mean, maybe that would work. (laughs) (laughs) You try it out. Do they still print porn magazines? Is that, you know, I feel like. I have some I can bring. (laughs) (laughs) You got your own vintage stash. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So in terms of like comedy then, what do you think, of the idea of cancel culture and performing and like, what role do you think it plays? Um, I think that canceling things in some, in some instances it's warranted, but it's really, you know, I mean, it's up to like the, the booker i mean it's you know we live in a capitalist society so if you book someone who's controversial and no one comes then you know that uh not to book that person um but uh you know i don't i don't know i don't know if that would play out that way too i think especially like it's like oh like, I think the booker's like, all right, you're controversial. And, like, I feel like the audience, like, you know what I mean? Like, people are, like, because I'm just, like, again, I keep talking with people about cancel culture. Because sometimes I'm just, like, I feel like it's, like, we are living in a time where we say these things, but mm-hmm. we don't do any of the actions that, you know, that are real. Yeah. So it's, like, this weird, I don't know if you ever read 1984. Yeah. speak. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we're literally living in this time of like double speak with things like cancel culture. And it's like, are we really canceling people? Like, 
who's been really canceled? Like Harvey Weinstein went to jail for a fucking crime. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like that's right. not cancel culture. Like, right. You know, and even when I saw Cosby, when he was released, there was a lot of stuff on social media that was like, mm-hmm. thumbs up cause. And it's like, what the fuck? Right. So if there's a crime, obviously like the person should go to jail. So, I mean, separating like the artist from the art is, I guess something that people just have to do on an individual basis. I don't know. You think it could be done? Um, I mean, it's a, I mean, I feel like it's just your personal choice. Like, are you going to listen to Michael Jackson? You know, you still appreciate his music, even though, or can you appreciate Bill Cosby's comedy? You know, well, you think about it too, like, especially like, I like to just think about all of this because it's like, I feel like vulnerability is all tied in this together because it's like part of being vulnerable is you're opening yourself up. You're leaving yourself exposed to criticism or like you even shared yourself embarrassing stories. You're going to share things that yeah. are embarrassing. It's like, I know myself, I've done so many things in my life that are horrible and cringeworthy and mm-hmm. I'm sure many people would be like cancel her now like what a terrible human you know yeah. but it's like again it's just kind of like looking at things in degrees but what I want to kind of look at is the the um the complicitness like I feel like that's what we really need to address is not this cancel culture it's this rollover complicit culture because it's like, how were all of these people able to get away with all of this shit for so fucking long? Right. Because, uh, because it's condoned until it's called out. Yeah. Do you find that exists um, in comedy in a more profound way? Or just kind of mirrors what's going on in society? Um, I think it kind of mirrors, well, it could be in a more profound way in comedy because you are by yourself on the stage. You own your brands, you know? So it's not like Nike getting canceled, (laughs) you know? It's a a person getting canceled. So I don't know if that answered your question. No, I know. It's like just weird. It's just like, especially I feel like everything kind of like, you know, because we're talking about stuff like, again, like you make jokes about suicide and it's like, oh my God, like there's people out here like going, no, you shouldn't make jokes about suicide. And like, someone's like somebody right now is saying like, my so-and-so killed or killed themselves and yada, yada, like it becomes so, and it's like, this is human. Like, this is where we're human. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I want to be able to recognize that we're fucking going to make mistakes. We're fallible. Mm-hmm. We're also going to try to find the humor in this situation. So right. it's just like, what, to what degree are we of people cultivating a better society? Right. Is there are comedians who just uh, tell jokes for shock value, mm-hmm. you know? So they'll tell a rape joke just to shock people to piss them off. Right. And I think that's just obnoxious. <laughs> but yeah. um, 
but I mean, if you're using your art to make a point, then I think that that's valid. It's hard to do though. And especially like, do you feel that you sh like how much of your comedy will you be willing to share with people like in terms of like on social media? Cause now there's these other platforms, like mm -hmm. we've, you know, you can perform on stage, right. And just be in the moment in that space and time. But now we have like these other modalities of sharing. So right. do you find a difference between how you are on stage with what you'll share on social media? So I'm not good at social media, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> um, I try and it doesn't work. So that's not for me. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so my boyfriend was telling me that I need to go on TikTok and I was like, oh, well, I'm bad at all the other ones. So why would I think that I'd be any good on it? But, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe it'll work for me. Try it out. Yeah. I, I have not cracked any of the social media codes yet <laughs> at all. I have no idea. They get me very confused. <laughs> But I do know whenever I try to share things, I I don't know. I find it more uncomfortable sharing stuff on social yeah, media. I, I get a lot of social anxiety from sharing stuff on social media. I do too. I And it's like, I'll put something. I'm like, no, I'm not leaving that up, but I'll take it down right away and yeah. stuff. And it's just like where you see other people, I get so envious. I see people who are like posting all the time, like lit my whole feed is like them. And you're like, right. it's also like, how do you have time to do that? I don't. Yeah. Time. And then like, literally like for me, like, again, this level of comfortability, like I don't feel comfortable with social media at all. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Oh, it's like, it's a different world, but it's so different again, though. Um, what about Zoom? When you were quarantined, how did you embrace the Zoom? Call? So I was working during. Oh, yeah. I worked throughout the pandemic. Okay. So I was in the field. Walking around. So, yeah, walking. that was it wasn't really much then for you. Because that was, I think, a big part of it, too. Like some people were working the whole time. So it was like this you know, like not everybody I was an essential working worker. from home, huh? Yeah, I got a letter saying I was an essential worker. So I could go on, you know, so I could take the train and stuff. Wow. Was that anxiety provoking? Um, no. So I found out that uh, I had antibodies pretty early in the okay. pandemic. So I got it um, probably... I think the last week of February or the first week of March, like of 2020. So, yeah. and I was basically asymptomatic except that I didn't smell anything for a week. And that was also before people knew that was a symptom. So there were also like aller, like I was like, I, it's probably like an allergy or something. Yeah. It definitely was here. I think so much earlier, like as well, like in the country, like when, mm -hmm. you know, so I'm yeah, you had it like February. I think a bunch of people probably had it as well. Mm -hmm. And nobody was going to their doctor. Like I know I got sick in March myself and like the, they were like, don't go to the doctor unless, and it was like, I'm like, all right, I just probably have the flu or something, but right. <laughs> so weird. It definitely, I think messed just with my head. I don't know about you and your head space. So well, I was laid off for two months and Ugh. they were like the best two months of my life. Yeah. Um, I wrote two sitcom pilots and That's I, awesome. uh, 
yeah. <laughs> <sighs> and um, some of them, so I put them in some competitions. They placed in like as quarterfinalists. Each of them placed. Oh my god, that's and wonderful! Like, Congratulations as a quarterfinalist, but like nothing happened because of that. That's huge. Yeah, that's and true. then um, and also like. I um like I've been working on this book for a while so I organized it and um still working on it but that getting laid off oh and I started playing piano again when I was laid off so um started learning Polish um I learned how to make uh seitan <laughs> you sound like you are the person that really embraced the quarantine, the, I like the it. human resource dream. Like when yeah, they asked the question, what did you do with this time? You the right answer. Yeah, it was it was like a I was like uh having a blast at Melissa Camp. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Melissa, well, we have loved having you today as a guest on Comedians Exposed. If you could tell the listeners uh where they could find you on social media. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can find me on uh, Instagram. My, uh, professional handle is dirty apartment scab. <laughs> and then I'm on Twitter. Um, just at Melissa Sirach. Although my name on it is Melissa anchovy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, those are the two I use Instagram and Twitter. And I mean, I'm on Facebook too, but I use it, use it to like lurk, you know, it's so weird how different they all are too. Like all of the social media outlets, I feel like they all target a different emotional response. Um, mm-hmm. Very strange. Yeah. And Facebook is definitely good for lurking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I just want to thank you again so much for being a guest. Thank you for having me. Um, this was fun. This, this was, was deep. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs>